Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. Folks, it's a prestigious night. It's a wonderful night. We are going to wrap up the Cade McNown Courtesy and his Cap of Shame tournament and crown the worst bear uh, of the last 20 years. With me, as always, Kyle Morris and, as sometimes, Eric Johnson. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm ready to get this show on the fucking road. I also am ready to decide which one of these absolute shitters is the shittiest of all. So, one thing I want to say, and if you follow us on, if you follow me on Twitter, um, uh, we have been doing a, we did a fan vote of this entire tournament. Um, so, so we, as we go through tonight, I will be going through and I will be revealing who the, who the, the masses. Uh, what the popular vote in this tourney was, because I think it's going to be very different from what we do. And so we gentlemen are the Electoral College here to tell you, average Bears fan, why your stupid vote doesn't count and why we are smarter than you and our opinion matters more. So um, that's going to be part of tonight's festivities. Before we get started on the tournament, though, Travis, do you want me to, to bring up a little bit about mini camps, there are, there are mini camps going on right now, um, and there appear to be two main stories which we didn't really. I, I, one of which didn't that shouldn't surprise anyone. The main one appears to be that DJ Moore is really good, um, and also that Justin Fields is pretty much only interested in throwing to him right now because Claypool's hurt, Mooney obviously is not yet back, and uh, Fields that isn't really interested in throwing to Dante Pettis or Equinemius St. Brown. It sounds like because let's face it, he's he's seen where that path leads. So, um, that part's exciting. I think we're all excited about DJ Moore, right, guys? I don't know how you could possibly not be. Right, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to add, just the last bit of uh, mini-camp housekeeping, uh, is it sounds like yesterday's practice was dominated by none other than Travis's boy, Jervin Dexter. So that was was two sacks, I believe, for Jervin, is what they said, in a two-minute drill practice. So... Uh, and, uh, the the finest moment yet uh, for Swerving with Jervin. Um, and Justin Jones said that, that he is going to be a force in this league. Now, I don't know that we should trust Justin Jones, although he did also call Packers fans dumb, uneducated rednecks this week, which was fun. So he's right about at least one thing. We know that much. Um, so, yeah, that's our that's our mini camp update. That's our Swerving with Jervin uh, moment, since Travis is always dying for one of those. And without further Damn ado, Damn let's, uh, let's get this tournament on the road. Gentlemen, which region do you want to start with? Should we save the quarterbacks for, for last? That's where the most sizzle is, I feel that, like. That's going to be the most contentious, I'm certain. Okay, yeah, let's, we, start, yeah. let's start with the free agent trade and failures region, because I think we all agreed that was like the weakest one, right? I agree, yes. I, yeah, I don't okay. think this one's going to make it past whoever wins, whoever wins the, the, the next region. Okay, um, so the first matchup that we have... In that region, Cody Parkey, America's favorite kicker, versus Adam Archuleta. Now, do you guys want to you guys want to vote and then reveal who the fan vote winner of that one was, or do you want me to, to to give the fan vote so that you have that knowledge and you can weigh that as you cast your vote? I mean, Eric I Hope. voted in all of these polls, so I already know who won. <laughs> it, would not, <laughs> it would not let me cast any votes as the originator of the poll, which I well, found yeah. interesting. So, 
Well, that's, I mean, if you run for president, you can vote for yourself. I, that's I, a good point. If, if I create a poll on Twitter, I can't cast a vote in it. Not yeah, tell that us who the vote. fans voted for. Okay, so I don't think anyone is surprised because one of the, there, there are two themes that are going to come up in the fan vote, I think. Um, and number one is recency bias. I felt like there was a strong bias towards more recent players for the most part. Um, and number two, uh, the fans, because we talked about this last week, we talked about this when we were setting up the tournament, how, how a lot of the fun of this tournament is determining what the meaning of the word worst is. Because we said, if it was just about raw ability, if it was just about absolute worst, the winner would be like Todd Collins, hands down. But we wanted to weight a lot of other factors. We wanted to weight draft status and contract status and, and the stakes when this play, these players played and we wanted to, to, to how long they got to stick around and ruin things. Um, so I think we're going to weight a lot more factors than the fans. But they made it clear when, when you ask them to pick worse, they mean just the dog shitting is worst in terms of pure talent. And they're also biased a little bit towards the more recent candidates. So with recency bias in mind, don't think anyone is surprised to discover that the fans voted Cody Parkey ahead of Adam Archuleta. Do we agree or disagree with our fans here? Yeah, you know me. Uh, I hate Adam Archuleta. Um, and I, I think Adam had a full season of the worst safety play that I've ever seen. And there's another guy on this list who is probably a worse safety overall, but he lasted a lot longer as a bear um, and he had a lot more standout moments, I think, of failure. But for just one season, uh, I would take that one season of Adam Archuleta as the worst safety season in Bears history. Parkey, uh, obviously, he's responsible for, you know, maybe the worst, most recent moment in Bears history, which is why the fans voted him through, I understand, completely. Uh, and... I think it adds to it that we knew he was a liability who should have been cut and replaced by probably mid-season um, of that year. But, you know, you know what we could have done uh, in that playoff game is score a fucking touchdown. Uh, so that's always my thing with kickers. You know, we really could have taken that well, game by the throat. And Whatever. like I said, like I said, and I, and, and I will say this with Chris Conti too when he comes up, because... I would not put any guy on this list for one play. As grueling as it was, I wouldn't do that. And I think life as a kicker is hard, and I feel bad for kickers who miss kicks. What got Cody into this bracket was the multiple missed kicks, the game against Detroit where he was also doinking off the crossbar and everything in that game when it was clear at that game and after the Miami game that they had a problem and they did nothing to address it. And then, like I said, the, the good morning America trying to basically get clout off of missing the kick yeah really put me off of the dude um with that said i travis your argument is a compelling one um i probably and i'm as an we are old heads i think now according to the internet i would also pass through archuleta eric would you pass through archuleta or would you go to to parky i do not share the uh the visceral uh, despair from those days of the Chicago Bears. So this I don't, I don't have this, I don't have this personal connection to Adam Archuleta uh, as foul as it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, I, Cody Parkey is not a good kicker. Worst status is pretty hard to come by. Uh, 
yeah. douchebag, yes. Yeah, ultimately, <laughs> I mean, a lot. Yes. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think I think Travis's point that like, I mean, when you think about if I got, if I asked you guys to name like the four positions in our lives that the Bears have had the most trouble solving, and this bracket is testimony, you would obviously say quarterback because we are the Chicago Bears. You would say I would say quarterback four times. <laughs> <laughs> you'd say quarterback. You would say safety. You'd say offensive tackle, and then I think you'd probably say what wide receiver. Those are the four we have struggled with the most in our lives. I think so, yes. Um, and so when you consider like the rich, and I and I mean that in the most sarcastic way possible, history of Chicago Bears safeties, I really would agree that Archuleta and, and there was PFF data that I gave last week to back this up. Really, was the single worst season of any of them. So for that alone, I will advance him. And we, yeah, yeah, I think it's a, I think okay. it's fair. So that's where we, we we already have disagreed with our fans on the very first matchup. We are passing through Adam Archuleta, but I I do not blame anybody. Yeah, for picking. No, I and will I think say uh, no. I think it's good. There it's are... good that we have you here. I think because, like you Eric said, is... there's not a personal connection for yeah. you with Archuleta. Eric you is do a lot... have one to Parky. Eric is a lot less biased with with early Lovey era emotions than we are. I would definitely say. Um, okay, so the next matchup with the free agent trade failures. I don't think this one is a debate for us at all. Um, unfortunately, I, I also believe the fans got this one right. Did, would any of us vote for Lamar Houston over Frank Omiel? Absolutely not. I, one of his seasons in Chicago, didn't Lamar lead the team in sacks? I mean, Lamar, yeah, the thing is, he, Lamar, had, he had some good times in Chicago. He was, yeah, he was not He was not bad when he played. The bigger issue was the was the injuries. And I mean, he, and he wasn't great when he played either, which he was paid to be very good, and he was just kind of good, and then mostly injured. But yeah, I think we're going to pass Omiel there easily. I am curious, what was the percentage on... Uh, there was a late surge for Omiel, I think after I personally, quote, tweeted it, and I was like, the only explanation, because Lamar was leading for a long time, and I quoted it, and I said, I, the only thing that this tells me is that you kids do not remember Frank Omiel, which I think rallied our fellow old heads, um... To the Omiel vote, yeah, but uh, Frank, Frank I believe it can make a strong case for I, worst lineman on I believe, this list. I believe it ended hard. up being fifty-two forty-eight, which uh, which well, was we, one uh, of the closer matches. We kind of we talked about this, um, but Lamar kind of served as our proxy for the John Fox Bears, you know, for that horrible dip in Bears quality, just like into the abyss of watchability for several years. And he's really our only representative on this list. So, you know, we have to say goodbye to John Fox at this point, too. Yes, goodbye. Is he really? Yeah, I guess he kind of is. Goodbye, John Fox. All right. Uh, I mean, that's 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 probably fair to John Fox, too, because as far as bad Bears head coaches go, I truly think he's the most forgettable, right? Well, like, I mean, I think everybody knew the moment they signed him, John right. Fox's job was to just not do anything too embarrassing. Yeah. Until Absolutely. the Bears were ashes from which they could yeah. maybe rise. John Fox was the Dick Geron to Mark Tressman's Dave Wanstead, which is a very bare sentence. But I feel like Dick Geron, Christ. Dick Geron was not a good <laughs> head coach, but he was like not completely embarrassing. And I think he kind of cleaned out the mess that Dave Wanstead left and left the place better than he found it for Lovey to actually do something. And, and and I think Fox kind of did the same thing. He he rinsed that team of the Trestman stink and then exited stage left so that Nagy could try and then fail to do something. All right, so we have we have advanced Archuleta versus Omiel to... That is our first matchup in what we are referring to 
so I don't know if I, I don't think I had the name for the brackets for the for the groups last time, but I I, I am very proud of myself here because I always am. But uh, the our first round matchups, all the the, the original sixteen uh, candidates, that is the Salam sixteen after Rashan Salam. Uh, the winners then advance to Cades 8 in honor of Mr. McNown's jersey number. Those gentlemen will then compete to the to, to advance to the Myrer Memorial Final Four. And of course, the final two will battle for the McNown-Enos Cap of Shame. So our first Cades 8 matchup is going to be Archuleta versus Omiel. Uh, next, do you guys want to do Just Why or Draft Bust region? Uh, draft there bust. are great matchups on, on, there are great on match- both okay. of these. So, draft bust matchup number one. Uh, we have Cedric Benson versus Gabe Karimi. I think there are strong arguments on both sides. Uh, the fans went fairly strongly for Gabe Karimi, which uh, surprised me, and I'm not sure if that is um, fa- like a young voting base that doesn't really remember Cedric Benson. Um, I don't know if that is out of deference to the fact that Cedric is no longer with us. I was surprised it wasn't closer than it was. Not that I can't see an argument for Gabe, but I, I was surprised. So the fans voted for Gabe over Cedric. How are you? How are y'all feeling, Travis? How are you feeling about Cedric versus Gabe? Yeah. Uh, so this is the other thing we kind of saw with the fan votes, right? Is it seems like they took this very, very literally. They were like, "Who is literally?" the worst player, like, just as far as quality, right? And Gabe Karimi lasted two years of the NFL, complete and total disaster, compared to Cedric Benson, That's who that is a good point. was a mid-running back, but he was not a disaster. And he did have one, like, pretty good year with the Bengals, not with the Bears. Yes. Uh, but so, so his quality was higher. However, uh, when we factor in... That draft pick. Drafting Cedric Benson, when not only did we not need a running back at the time, but we had a better running back on the roster, who we would then release two years later, who would then go on to continue to have better seasons than Cedric Benson. When you look at all of the guys who went off the board after Cedric Benson, all the guys we could have had on this team who may have been there to push us over the edge in 2006, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, It's just, it's so much weighing against Seth. He was such a terrible pick. The second he got picked, he started to cry when he did the interview, and I think Chicago turned against him right at that moment, and then it just got worse because we all loved Thomas Jones so much more. Pretty shitty to turn against a guy for for crying on draft this day. Is true. This, this is true. true. But yes, we um, play tough football in this town. But it was we 2005, don't cry. Man. But I yeah, mean. I mean, even so, I mean, in 2004, obviously using a, a pick that high on a running back wasn't frowned upon like it is now. I mean, three guys went very close to said. But even then, for the 2004 Bears, who had holes literally everywhere, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, you could have gone differently even at quarterback. You could have gone for offensive line you could have gone for wide receiver there was an argument for literally every position on offense in that draft except for running back and they spent a top five pick on a running back who was worse in every way than the guy they had there he underperformed badly and it's not you you can't really use the supporting cast argument because um this is a guy i mean thomas jones was putting up numbers with that same offensive line in that same system um he fumbled in the goddamn super bowl um 
And then just, I mean, was released for just like a string of arrests all in one summer when he kept apologizing, saying, out of that, well, that's the last time I'll do that. And then he would do it again like two weeks later. So, um, and they got nothing for him. Yeah, they had to release him because of this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I... On the other hand, I mean, Gabe just really did. Uh, I think I think I talked about it. He said he had the worst, he had the worst pass blocking grade, single season pass blocking grade of, of basically any of these guys, other than like Rashad Coward, who we eliminated because he was again not a dude who was ever supposed to play offensive line, versus Gabe, who was a first round pick, and then had a, a pass blocking grade in the thirties. So. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up being the odd man out here, but I actually do side with the fans. On you're you're Gabe. going, Gabe. Um, because, yes, Cedric Benson was a player we did not need, uh, or particularly want, and he didn't do great, but he came in at a time when we already had a good running back, and he was replaced by a person that I am prepared to be killed in the street for saying is the greatest running back in Chicago Bears history. Um, so, like, Cedric Benson is not a wound. That's not an official... Why would you say that? (laughs) I, I'm ready to die on this hill. (laughs) <laughs> we got time. Matt Forte I, is incredible. Yeah, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for this shit. Yes, we, we ain't got. In any case, all that. Anyways, yes, he was replaced by a very good running back. We'll all agree. At, at least the second best running back <laughs> okay. in Chicago Bears. In I'm any case, Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson is not a wound that bled for a very long time or hurt us overly much, other than fumbling in the Super Bowl. Gabe Karimi was basically the worst possible answer to an issue that had plagued us for years and is still plaguing us to this day. Um, so I, I understand. That is so, that, that is a good point. Because we, when we, we talk, we're going to talk about opportunity cost heavily throughout all of this. But um, even though theoretically the opportunity cost of, you know, they could have taken someone else with that pick is high. The actual damage and impact to the team in, in a sense, is relatively minor because for two years there, the first two years he was in the roster, they had Thomas Jones, anyways, um, being one of the best backs in the NFL. And he put and up what, like twelve hundred and thirteen hundred those two years. Yes. And then they had Forte coming right after, so we were, they really only had one year that was a lost season, anyways. That Cedric Benson really actively hurt them. So I'm a little sympathetic to that too. Um, actually, I. I'm a, I'm actually going to make this a moot point uh, because in a swerve, uh, the fans completely convinced me on this. I gave Karimi all the way. You gave Karimi all the way. Okay. I, yes. I was yep. just going to say, I actually think I'm going to go Gabe here. Yeah. So I, I, not... When I really thought about it, I was like, you know what? I am giving too much to said for costing us a fourth round pick because Gabe Karimi really was soul crushing because I thought we made yeah. the right pick. I thought it was the right choice. Okay, so Gabe's through, and you know what? Surprisingly enough, that ended up being unanimous. And unanimous with our fans. We love you fans. You guys are intelligent. Now, let's move on to the next draft bus matchup, where I feel strongly that, that Travis might be the only man out here. I'm not sure. Um, because he made an impassioned defense of this guy already. But yeah. we have, or well, a defense of why he sucks. An, an impassioned attack on? Um, yeah, we have right. Chris Williams <laughs> versus Shea McClellan. The fans voted Shea overwhelmingly. I personally am inclined for Shea. Eric, I'm guessing, is inclined for Shea. For sure. Um, Do you want me to say you, goodbye to Chris real quick? You, I, you were the, I, fought for Chris last time. Are you willing to do it again? 
Yeah, uh, I'm actually no. I'm willing to be convinced here. My only real hang up about passing Chris through would be that you know we have a lot of crappy linemen on this on this list already. So like you gotta really sell me on Chris Williams being. You know, if, if you if you count a tight end, there are what five, six linemen on this list. No, we uh, so we've talked throughout the week. Uh, we we do that, folks. We chat with each other, um, and I feel like I've been swayed enough uh, to where I can let go of Chris at this point. Especially like you said, with Omiel on the list, with Gabe Karimi now going through. I don't think we need to belabor the point with Chris Williams and just have tackles up and down the board and Shea is another one where I think because I went into that draft and I knew the second we made the pick that it was a horrible pick, I think I was already prepared and it did not suck as bad for me. And I think I I think I underestimated oh, how awful he was because of that. Well, that's funny because one of the guys who tweeted about this matchup, um, a guy I've referenced a couple times on this podcast, because again, if you're a Bears fan and you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Uh, it's at ButkusStats. Dude named Quentin, good dude. And he said, his argument was, well, I voted for Chris Williams because I really hoped and ex- I expected him to be good, and I never yep. expected Shea to be good. And I was like, but isn't that logic kind of backwards? Like, if you know on draft night that a guy is a horrible pick and then he is horrible, doesn't that just reinforce how bad of it was? And, and with Shea, I'm still with Shea the whole way through because of the, we talk about opportunity cost. That is the one, I think, where the opportunity cost well, he's not the player on this bracket that has the worst opportunity cost. I'll get to that guy. Those guys, two of them, actually, I think would put over. But as far as non-quarterbacks, um, we talked about that draft, that 2012 draft. I mean, again, if they had just taken Chandler Jones, he would still be the best defensive end on the roster. If they had taken Riley Reef, they would have had a solid tackle for 10 years. If they had taken Harrison Smith, they would have would have had a solid safety. There were so many dudes they could have taken uh, I mean, Kevin Zeitler, who is currently about to get a new contract from the Ravens because he's still a great guard. Um, so there yeah, I mean, I mean, it's going back to draft night and you and I, you know, doing what we usually do and just talking through it. And literally the na- every name we threw out at the time, it was either Chandler Jones, it was uh, Devonta, or it was going to be David DeCastro, were the three Whitney, we were talking about. Would have been way better. Whitney Merciless was also there. And again, Whitney Merciless didn't yeah. end up being a great defensive end, but he ended up being a much better one than Shea. Um, so yeah, I'm sticking with Shea. I'm not backing off Shea. But I do think uh, what I have discovered through this tournament and what Travis really brought to all of our lights is that Chris Williams is probably worse than you remember. Yes. Um, yes. So and he was a horrible... Way. He was a higher pick, I think, than people remember. I think when you 14th. think Chris Williams, yeah. you think like 29, 30 or something. No, it was 14 yeah, that it's... guy went. Yeah. Well, and 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 we'll get into this, I think, with our with our our next matchup. But it is hard to remember a bad lineman as as like being as bad as he was in a franchise that has had such consistently bad offensive lines across the board for so long that like it it is sometimes hard to remember how much one individual player sucks when it's like, well, he's the worst one, but none of them are good. Whereas, like, you can see a person like Shea McClellan, you know, never, ever doing his job. And it's very easy to be like, wow, he really is not accomplishing anything in comparison to other better players standing near him. I had my, I had 
I had an old man boomer moment there where I was like, man, why, why is Eric just fucking interrupting me every time I'm trying to talk here? And I realized I was still muted. So, um, bear with me. I was like, man, I'm really trying to get this. But no, uh, I was, the other thing I was going to say is I talked about this on Twitter, but I think one of the reasons Chris Williams has kind of gotten a pass is that even though he was bad all four or five years, he was with the bears. He was arguably never the worst guy they had. Sometimes he wasn't even, he was only the third worst because there were years where they had Omiel and Webb as bookends at tackle. Um, but like I said, he was kind of like, it, Chris Williams was kind of like the radon that was slowly killing them uh, while you were busy worrying about Jamarcus Webb trying to set the house on fire. Like, you, you, both of them are problems. Um, he just never got the attention he deserved as, 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 a, as the problem. Um, but yes, even with all that, we bid you a, a fond farewell, Chris. I am going to vote Shay ahead. Are we all voting Shay ahead? I'll accept it. Okay, so the fans, in, in our opinion, then nailed this region. It is, in fact, Karimi versus Shay uh, in that matchup in Cades 8. So, okay, can, can, we just, can we just finish this one? I don't think Karimi stands a single chance against Shay McClellan then. You don't think so? I don't, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, Eric's the deciding vote here, because I would have... Well, I guess I, I, I'm either one of us is the deciding vote, but I want to hear Eric's piece here. Yeah, you know, um, I definitely dislike Gabe Karimi more. I don't think I have any logical reason to do so. It's just, it's, it's something very painful that I, I remember just... from, like, my earliest day, because that was, like, that was shortly after I started... Yeah, writing on the blog. See, so like that was when I was really getting into like thinking about the Chicago Bears a lot, uh, and it was that was kind of my first dance with oh wow they're bad, so <laughs> they suck. <laughs> the reason that Shea advances for me here is ex- the exact opposite reason that our dear friend Quentin that I mentioned a little bit ago brought up. It, it's for me it is the fact that. Shea started with bad process and then was a bad player. He just really encapsulates everything wrong. Um, because, like, again, every part of that was every part of that thought process was wrong. If you insisted you need a defensive end in that draft, fine. There were three other guys taken after him that you could have taken that were at least better than him, including Chandler Jones, who is still around and still very good, not to mention the other players that you could have brought in, and that were also at positions of arguably bigger need for the Bears. David DeCastro felt like a bigger need at the time, the defensive end. Dante Hightower arguably was the bigger need because we all knew Erlacher had a a year at best, and he didn't even really finish that year out strongly. Um, They could have had a a 10-year Erlacher replacement right there. So the the process was flawed. The player was bad. uh, the, The way the player was used was bad. I just, for me, Shea wins this one in a walk. Yeah, 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 and I, and I, I have always been sympathetic. Okay, so... I've always been sympathetic to the argument that like Gabe Karimi was terrible. They did have to draft a, an offensive lineman there. Yeah, and like, I don't, I was... don't think that like yeah, they drafted the pre-injured one, and that's a pretty Chicago Bears thing yeah. to do. But like, it wasn't the worst choice possible. Right, Shay McClellan may have been the worst thing that they could have it, done in that situation. I think he was. I think he was. Yeah, he really was. Um. I think I said you had to go all the way down to, like, when I was reviewing it last week, I think you had, not counting Brandon Whedon, because they weren't going to take a quarterback there, I think you had to all the way go all the way down to, like, the 30th pick in A.J. Jenkins, Illinois great, that really stings, but you got to go down to the 30th pick to find the next guy that was as useless, that was more useless than Shea, that was, like, the next pick they could have made that would have actually been worse, so... 
Yeah, so Shea's, Shea's our first guy then into the Myrer Memorial Final Four, so congratulations to him. And then this one I think is going to be a, might be a contentious region. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling how we're all aligned on these ones. Um, but we're going to go to the Just Why region next, where we have Jamarcus Webb versus Chris Conti. And the fan Woo! vote, the fan vote, I know it's a tough matchup. It's the <laughs> toughest matchup so far, I think, that we've had. Um, I might have even stabbed me. Maybe I should have broken those two up into separate uh, to see if I could have made the next fight a little more competitive just for Eric's sake. But, um, yeah, so Webb versus Conti. The Conti won. Again, I was surprised it wasn't very close. Not that I can't see an argument for Conti, for sure. I was surprised that he cleared Webb as much as he did. But the fans I mean, I, I, I think missing that one coverage is all a lot of people need to know about Chris Conti. Yeah. You know, I, I people weight those plays very heavily in their recollections of, of what a player was like. And it's not like Chris ever did anything particularly great to be like, oh, you know, you get burned sometimes. That was an unfortunate time for it to happen. Yeah. Um... Yeah, again, I don't like to put a guy on here for one play, but Conti's body of work was... I was going to say... Much so worse than just deal. the one play. He was pretty bad as a safety. Yeah, you when you talk about one play, when you talked about that last week, I actually had to think to myself, what play are they talking about? Like, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have a one play that you associated with that guy? I was like, it, oh, it, they're it, talking it, about... It happened all the time. I mean, yeah, you know, that he... one was the worst one, but he fucked that up yeah, so often. He did, well, also, yeah. also, let's be honest, if he didn't screw that up, Aaron Rodgers would have completed the pass anyway. Who, who like It just happens every goddamn time we play them. So yeah. in my brain, it's like... That's Rodgers. That's not particularly on Chris Conti. But yeah, this guy stuck around. Not only did he haunt the Bears for, what, four or five years, he then moved on and kept playing in the NFL and kept haunting people. He's actually made a worse play. When I Googled the play to pull it up, the first play that came up was actually Vance McDonald stiff-arming him into oblivion when he was a buck, just throwing him. Uh, yards downfield, and it reminded me that not only can Chris Conti not cover, he can't tackle either. He's not strong, he's not fast, he can't cover, and he's he's one of these guys, um, and he exemplifies the thing that happens to the Bears all the time. We'll talk about it in the next matchup. He showed promise his first year, but he wasn't good yet. But because of that promise, he got like eight years in the NFL. Yeah, he he and a guy that's in the next matchup, Sam Mustafer, same thing. They weren't good as rookies, but they were like, yep, not as and, awful and, as, you, as they could have been. And because of that, they were just kind of guaranteed starter jobs. And then they kept them despite showing that they that never improving from where they were as rookies. So that was frustrating. I will say though, to use your argument about how Chris Conti just kept going on, I will pose this question to you, gentlemen. What year did Jamarcus Webb take his last snap in the NFL? Dear God. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm going to guess. So he left the Bears after 2012. So when did he take his last snap in the NFL? I, I'm going to say 2017. Okay, Eric? I 2019. 2020. No! <laughs> that man was still around in this decade. Now, granted, nobody other than the Raiders, who must have had a bad year in 2015 as far as offensive line goes, uh, let him start all 16 games. No one ever really started him full-time again, 
but he hung around. He did hang around because that's the power of J Web Nation. Um, so all of your points for Conti are good. Yes, he had a bad body of work, and then he had the crowning moment of shit. Uh, I still am gonna go with Jamarcus Webb because again, that stat that I revealed last week that only one player in like the history of pro football focus tracking individual sacks allowed has allowed 11 plus sacks in two years total and he did it two years in a row um so i i do also think jamarcus wins but i also i want to bring up wasn't chris conti's career ended by an injury i'm not sure i i i thought he tore an acl or something i'm gonna look right now you're saying a merciful god put him out of the NFL. Well, no, I'm just saying if, if Jamarcus Webb hanging around until 2020 but not actually playing any snaps counts, Chris Conti getting injured because he was a starting uh, To be fair, he started, he did start eight games in 2019 for Miami. That That's still a significant okay, number okay. of games, but yes. Uh, yeah, he, 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 the last thing here is he was placed on IR after a torn PCL in week three of 2018. So it's possible yeah. Chris Conti would also still have been playing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a hard one for me, if man. The, if the Lord okay. had not well, reached so, down. So technically, you're already outvoted because Eric did, did just That's say true. That. If you're both I, going well, then it doesn't I, Yeah, matter. I mean, I, 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 I think, think Eric that is this, a, is, this may be actually Eric now, is, in my mind, the stiffest matchup. Yeah. This is a hard one for me. Yeah. So I guess, uh, Travis, if you may, if you if you decide your, your team Conti, like the fans, you could make a strong argument for them and probably sway Eric. I'm... I'm sticking with Webb the whole way through, but oh, and also to be fair, it 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 is in my part. It is influenced a little bit by shit like the oblivious J Webb Nation shit, <laughs> shit like him just never seeming to have an idea what was going on. The fact that he never seemed to care, that he wasn't bothered by. It. I, I mean, I after years of you know hydrotherapy and stuff, I I can admit Jay Cutler was a bad guy, but. I am still mad at the way everyone savaged Jay Cutler for snapping and giving Jamarcus a slight shove when the man committed, like, three false starts in a row and gave up a sack. Like, after all the shit he'd put up with from that kid over the first two, over the two years before that, for Jay Cutler to get frustrated one time and to everyone to cling to the shittiest left tackle in football's defense still bothered me. All of it bothered me. I'm sticking with Jay Webb no matter what. You, I mean, my heart says Conti, uh, but I mean the numbers are just so overwhelmingly against Webb I, that I just don't think I can fight him. It's, he was so bad. It's yeah, just, I mean he... that's kind of what it comes down to me is he. I think he's the worst lineman on this list. It's and like that is a hard. It's true. Mountain well, we'll talk about this year with our next no, no, matchup. No. But we've got we another were... matchup. Yes, I know. We were we were prepping this a little bit though when we were talking about Webb and say a Mustafer. Um, and I, I posed the question to Travis. I was like, all right, well, here's, here's how you answer which one of those is worse. If I tell you that week one this year, Justin Fields has to line up behind either Jamarcus Webb at left tackle or Mustafa at center, you're picking Mustafa at center, aren't you? Like you're, you, that's the lesser evil. Is it not? I, I, so we talked, but should we just push Webb through and move on to the okay, next I one? I think Webb is through. Yeah. Well, let's go. Okay. Let's so pause on that discussion for a second. So yeah, Webb is through. He's in decades eight. Uh, the next matchup is Sam Mustafer versus Kellen Davis. 
Eric, yeah, I think I, I think we know Eric's vote here. Eric, are you yes. are you still Kellen? I no, I I I I know that he's not gonna win. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say I think that Kellen Davis is a worse football player than Sam Mustafer. Well, I'm not gonna sit here and say that he's you know is a worse bear or has cost us more. But the fact that Kellen Davis has a Super Bowl ring is the greatest injustice in oh, human he caught a history. <laughs> son of a bitch. The son of a bitch. It, okay. it is the worst thing that has ever happened. So, actually, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know... I don't know that I would say Sam Mustafer is a worse football player than Kellen Davis. Like... The recency well, I'm, bias. I'm willing to argue oh. it if you're willing to listen. The recency bias is strong with that one, and we'll talk about this. Sam Mustafer. Spoiler alert: in the fan vote, he made it all the way to the finals. He, the, the recency bias there is strong, and I think the argument in his favor there certainly uh, is the 40 starts. But I have to stress that Kellen Davis, as a bear, had a 49.5. So Kellen. So first of all. Kellen started more games than you probably remember, because I think most of us only really remember him in 2012. But he was their primary tight end for two seasons, and he started 35 games. He appeared in 80 games total as a Bear. In those 80 games, the man caught 47 passes for just 529 yards. Um, and again, he had a total catch rate, of, or a catch percentage, of 49.5%. So that's that's low. Tight ends should have a fairly high catch percentage. Um, Trey Burton, I don't think anyone remembers him as like an all-time Bears great. I didn't even pick like Desmond Clark or Cole Komet, who I think we can all agree are like average to above average tight ends or were as Bears. So I didn't even pick them to be unfair or whatever to Kellen. But Trey Burton had a 68% catch rate as a Bear, with Mitch Trubisky throwing him the football. So 49.5% for Kellen is staggeringly bad. I want to put that in perspective. Like well, that is shit that 30% drop so, rate, man. A third of the And again, it was it was yeah, and it was his hands. It was like the worst that I could find going through all these years. So I mean, it's I don't think it's crazy to say Kellen Davis was worse as a tight end than Sam Mustafer was as a center. Now, I think where it gets tricky is the importance of center versus tight end. Because Kellen Davis didn't affect every single snap unless you were throwing him the football. Whereas, you know, Sam Mustafer obviously affected every single snap. And we saw how often Justin Fields has been disrupted, especially in a short passing game, by immediate pressure up the middle, forcing him to change his launch point, change his drop, adjust on the fly. So I, I don't know that you... I think you can totally argue Kellen Davis is a worse player than Sam Mustafer. But the question is, which is worse, a bad tight end or a bad center? And that is where I'm hung up on this. Well, and, and, and what I what I assume is going to be the death knell of the case for Kellen Davis is that replacing Kellen Davis with an average tight end would not have helped that team. They yeah. it, it probably wouldn't have achieved much, if anything. Yeah, I Replacing mean, um... Sam Mustafer with a good blocker would meaningfully impact the development of the quarterback that we very badly need to succeed. I think that's fair. I think that's I think fair. I think what you're running into here, Kyle, is simply that this is the strongest region we've got. Like it is, you know, it is. Like I'm one of these guys. Fight. I was. I mean, if we just if we didn't have specific, 
general like if these regions were not specific if they were just randomized seeds and we just had matchups all over the case i think you could easily see jamarcus webb chris conti sam mustafer and kellen davis all winning their first round yeah, this, this this could be strong, the final four this I is a strong region guys so yeah but i ultimately i do think yes that the impact that mustafer had on every single snap is probably what puts him through for me okay. are you guys all are you guys going with mustafer just like the fans yeah, uh, so I was leading into something. Uh, do you want me to just lead right into Mustafer versus Webb with it? Uh, you asked me a question. Okay. So Mustafer, yeah, so Mustafer is into Cade's eight then. So, and we're, we're just pushing all the way through and we're deciding the final four, or the Myra four, then on this half of the bracket, because we've already got Shay. So who of Webb v. Mustafer advances to face Shay McClellan for you then, Travis? Answer me my question then. Okay, so you asked very specifically, would I rather have Webb at left tackle or would I have Must for its center? And you said you would take Must for its center because you said way easier, all right, with this Bears team to cover for a center than it would be to cover for a tackle. And I said that's just a straight-up lie because we saw this last season. You're right. And I made this exact argument myself and threw it in my face. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It is, so it, it is easier to assign a tight end or a back to chip and help a tackle than it is to make up for an interior lineman who just gets his ass pushed back into the and, quarterback. Every and here's the right. thing. Here's the thing. We've talked about this. We haven't fixed the center problem since Olin Krutz went away. However, it was never a glaring issue. All these patchwork centers that we threw in there were adequate. And that's why we thought that center was just this position where you could throw a dude in there who learned to block at some point, an NFL-caliber talent, and they would block, all right? It's just center. It's not a big deal. Sam Mustafer proved us all wrong, and he did it for years. This dude couldn't block passes. He couldn't block runs. We couldn't, with Tevin Jenkins, who at times when he was playing last year was the third best guard in the NFL, could not cover for this weak-ass motherfucker. He had a legendarily shitty RAS score, which basically means he's not an NFL talent. He shouldn't be in an NFL huddle. He shouldn't be anywhere near a team. This isn't a dude you want on the practice squad. And yet he was out there week after week, and it was the same reason as Conti. He got pressed into service when he shouldn't have. He should have never been playing the first season that he did, but he was adequate. And it was his adequacy that was surprising, and we had to deal with him for two more years, being the worst center in the league, breaking our offensive line from the inside out, which I had never seen before. Just crippling the entire offense almost by himself. You just wait. If we did this after this year, if we saw what white hair did as an old broken man, it's going to be so much better than Mustafer. We would revisit this and we would probably have Mustafer win the whole damn thing. That's my prediction. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. So you're taking Mustafer over Webb at your arguments emphatic. Yeah. I, I know how bad Jamarcus is. I'm still not swayed. I'm still sticking with Jamarcus. So Eric, it comes down to you. I'm I'm closer. That, I'm closer but... to sway than be a man. God. No, I I I just I know I I I don't want to vote for <laughs> Sam because of recency recency bias. bias but you but but, but Travis, Travis has, has you. made a very strong case. But then I remember how many times you know because like I was. 
so invested in God. If they're yes, I was there three thousand years ago, <laughs> watching as this quarterback that was you know he had so much potential, and I I watched this team. <clears throat> ruin him you know we we'll never know what jay cutler would have been if he stayed in denver or if chicago knew anything at all about, my guess is still uh, an asshole a quarterback yeah it's probably, probably still an dude. asshole but <laughs> probably better at football than if he got sacked by a 300 pound man 900,000 times because jamarcus webb was out there every goddamn night i'll say this i don't think <laughs> i don't think if he had had a good supporting cast the entire time he was in chicago Jay Cutler would have ever been an elite quarterback because I think the Tressman slash Adam Gase years shows that like even when he did have a pretty good offensive line and he did have at least Alshon and and some weapons around him he was still just pretty good instead of great but I do think if they had given him those weapons and everything earlier and allowed him to be pretty good when they had a pretty good team around him they could have snuck in a Super Bowl they could have flackoed their way to a Super Bowl. And they oh, did absolutely. not. Jamarcus Webb's yeah, game reason they did not. So yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about you know what we lost, we did have an opportunity at a Super Bowl in there, um, and I do think I mean that's part of my argument for Chris Williams, right? Is yeah. was if he was as good as he was supposed to be, or even like 80th percentile, maybe we're in that Super Bowl, right? So I can see that because Mustafa, even if he was better, it, it just means that like. Justin has an easier time starting out. We aren't going anywhere still these last few years. Right, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so I'm Webb. Travis is, is Mustafer. Eric, did you, did you I think, go with I Webb? Think, I think I'm Webb, yeah. You think you're Webb, okay. So. But I, I am very intrigued by Travis's prediction it was that, good. that I, Mustafer could win it all I'm just in a closer. major tournament because I, I think there's merit to it. I, I also like, Travis didn't say this on the podcast, but Travis said that we should basically redo this like every couple years just to see and to add new people and and and, and drop out some, some players who did not perform well in this tournament, but... Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, in, in the sort of the opposite of recency bias, I have seen... All of the damage that Jamarcus Webb could do. Yeah, it's true. I don't. I don't yet know the impact. Of so, Sam Mustafer. All right. Well, apologies to the fans because I do think this is the one where I. This like, is a I, tough I mean, region. It's tough. Uh, there are no. There are no winners in this region. All but right. the thing is, yeah, the thing is that I. It just. I don't know that. Webb was was a historically bad tackle. I gave you the history. I don't know that Mustafer was bad. He was a bad center. Don't get me wrong. He was a bottom five center in the NFL every year that he was there. I don't know that he was a historically bad center. I don't even know what a historically bad center looks like. So I, maybe that's the problem. I, I think it probably so, looks something like yeah, Sam Mustafer. It looks like Sam Mustafer. <laughs> I'm telling you. But I, yeah, we gotta. We, I'm voting Webb through. So goodbye to Sam, but also like fuck you, dude. We'll, we'll see you again. In a yeah, we'll years, see you Sam. again. <laughs> okay, yeah, so the Eric, may not be kind to you. It, I, like, spoiler alert here, this is about to become a battle between me and Eric. Should we Should we just give our arguments for the two guys? Uh, okay, so, just to be clear, right now we have two two Myra 4 matchups set. We have, Or one Myra 4 matchup set already. So we have Shea versus Webb. On the other half of the bracket, we have Archuleta and Omiel in Decades 8. So now we have to advance our two quarterbacks. And this is where... I am 100% confident we are going to disagree with the fans on both matchups in the region. So Yes, instantly. And, and matchup number one, 
Mitch Trubisky versus the 2004 Bears quarterback. So spoiler alert, the 2004 Bears quarterbacks in the fan vote, they went all the way to the top. So crown them the people's champs. Let's all clap for them. We asked the people first. They took it extremely literally, and they said, well, Jonathan Quinn and Craig Krenzel, man, it doesn't get worse than that. And And they were right. To which I say, you guys are right if you are defining worst solely by production and talent. But the theme for us consistently has been that we are considering a lot more things than that. And when you can, when you open it up to, to considering all factors, draft stock and, and opportunity cost and long-lasting impact on the franchise, I don't see how you can't advance Mitch. So, And I think all, all three of us agree Mitch is moving on to Yeah, I mean I, I the big thing for me with the 2004 Hydra is that as far as I can recall, not only did none of those guys ever play another snap for the Bears, none of them ever played another snap of professional football again. No, right. I don't I don't believe Which that. in a certain way is actually which, a point for them, which is why yeah, they no, I I, I don't <laughs> doubt that they are the worst players ever to do it, but we lost so little because of them yeah. in spite of their shit. Like we got out. We saw that and said, "Nope, you know what?" We're yeah. done with all three of you. And none of them was ever meant to start a game even that year that they did. It was just, it was a, it was a lost year. It was a scramble. It was hard to watch. It was painful to watch. And I think in honor of these guys, uh, I do think next year's tournament may be, as Travis suggested, to bring up the worst Bears games ever. Yes. Um, because I think for sure that 2004 Thanksgiving game we're gonna make Eric watch it with us we are gonna make him watch the whole game with us we're gonna i mean we will fucking clockwork orange that motherfucker and make i'll, I'll right. watch it no, bring it find it and bring you guys will be here sometime soonish yeah, well um yeah that was god that was one of the worst games i've ever seen so yes the 2004 guys i understand the fans i understand their logic it's just not the logic we're using so for us Mitch has to advance, and we'll obviously get into why here in just a second, because in our next matchup, very similar situation. And I'm even more sympathetic in this matchup to the fans, because Caleb Haney, uh, I think, on one level, absolutely a worse quarterback in terms of pure production than Rex Grossman, although it's closer than you'd think. People really need to, when they consider Rex Grossman... um, I, people underestimate how bad he was because of how nice he was, but he was shit. Well, and also because of how good the vibes were for yes. one month, for one month in in 2006. That first month felt really good. But I got to stress that, so this was what, so here's Rex's career statistics before that stretch in 2006 so he up until so in his first three years in the nfl 2003 2004 2005 he oh well is my goddamn internet gonna load it for me come on guys give me the pop-up where's the pop-up so exciting content this is why you run an ethernet cable kyle we talked about is an ethernet cable i did the right thing okay (laughs) anyways he was um so like for instance just to give an example, in 2005, Kyle Orton was the starting quarterback. Everyone was miserable uh, how bad he was as a rookie. And more appropriately, how little he was allowed to do as a rookie. Rex came in. He had, like, a big completion against the Falcons, and everyone remembers that. And he, he beat the Packers, and everyone remembers that. But the fact is, he didn't really play that well in either oh. of those games. In 2005, Kyle Orton had a 59.7 passer rating. 
Rex Grossman had a 59.7 passer rating. He was just as bad as Kyle was in the end. He just did it with a little more drama and flair, but he wasn't good. In 2004, before the knee injury, he had thrown just one touchdown and three interceptions. In 2002, as a rookie, he was averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. So, I mean, this was his first three. So, his first three seasons total, he had eight touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a 68.8 passer rating. That's all very bad. It's not quite Caleb Haney bad, but it's it's pretty close. And then if you go to 2006, after that first month, he was terrible. I mean, he had, in that first month, he had, like, half of his touchdowns for the year. Um, after that, he he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. He was bad, for the most part, in the playoffs. He And then in 2007, he obviously played so poorly, he got benched. So, um... Rex Grossman was really bad, guys. Statistically, he, was, he had one good month sandwiched by a whole hell of a lot of bad. Um, I think that people remember Rex Grossman as like kind of just like a worse Brett Favre. You know, he had the he was the gunslinger, right? It's, and, and it's, people people really think, oh, well, he was just letting loose the dragon. Of course, he threw more interceptions, but like well, he he threw almost as many interceptions right. as he did touchdowns. Well, I think when it's when you do when you do good Rex, bad Rex, when you say it like that, because that's what we said. Oh, good Rex, bad Rex. It makes it sound like it was a 50-50 thing. But the truth of the matter yeah. is is that it really wasn't. There was good Rex for like six games out of 30 or so in his entire career. The rest of the time, it was overwhelmingly bad Rex. Those were not, it was not a 50-50 thing ever. Um, so Rex was really bad. But granted, Caleb Haney was worse. I will give them that. And Caleb Haney, also the stakes matter here a little bit more too because this man lost an NFC title game. Uh, and he, granted, he lost it in relief, so that's a little less on him than, than if he'd started it, but still, he lost an NFC title game. And then the next year, all he had to do, I won't even say he had to be average while Jay was hurt. He literally just had to not be the worst quarterback in the NFL. They lost three games in a row where the defense allowed one touchdown. And I don't mean the defense allowed one touchdown in each game. I mean, they lost three games in a row, and in those three games, the defense allowed a total of one fucking touchdown. So, like, it it would not have taken much to keep the Bears' playoff hopes alive in 2011 until Jay came back for the playoffs. So Caleb was asked to do the barest minimum a backup quarterback could do. He could not do it. So I am sympathetic to the idea of Caleb over Rex because that matchup, in my opinion, is closer than Mitch versus, uh, than Mitch versus the 2004 QBs because there were actual stakes when Caleb was involved, unlike the 2004 guys, and he blew it. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to make this argument because we're going to make this argument when it comes down to which of Rex or Mitch we're advancing. But at the same time, I, I Rex goes ahead. He just does because the you want to talk about the stakes, the opportunity cost, the draft stock, the hope. It's it's Rex. It's got to be Rex. Agreed. Eric, do you want to do you want to do your Mitch spiel? Because you know I've got a whole thing for Rex here. Yeah, yeah, so I, the thing about Mitch Trubisky is that, you know, we, we, I've talked about opportunity costs. I feel a little bit like a broken so just record. Clear, in case anyone didn't catch it, we, we just, we advance Rex, right? Caleb's oh, yes, yes. Yes. So yeah. we have our, we have our, okay, so we've got, um, before we bog everything down. <laughs> do we want to get everything else out of the way? All right, yeah, let's, let's. So did we, didn't we already do Archuleta versus Omeo? No, we didn't. Okay, so do we no. 
Do we have? I'm voting Omiel over. Well, no, I'm actually I'm going to vote Archuleta over Omiel just because uh, Omiel. You don't vote Archuleta. We've already got Webb in there, so let's just let's let Webb be our tackle representative in the final four. Let's vote Archuleta just because I feel like for a Bears final, a worst Bears final four, we have to have at least one safety in there. That brings me a great deal of pleasure that you've let Archuleta through. He's not going to win anyways, because let's face it, he's going up against the quarterback. But, like, let's let's give him that. Let's put a safety in the final four. Eric, do you have any problems with that? No, I mean, I, I think I've said all I needed to say about okay. shitty linemen when okay. it came to Jamarcus Webb and Gabe Karimi. So Archuleta's in the final four, and that's probably a, a bit too high for a guy that was on there for one year, but we all agreed that was the weakest region to begin with. So, and he's not going to stand a chance anyway. So three of the final four of the Myra four are Archuleta, Shea, McClellan, and Webb. We got to decide the last one here and it's Trubisky versus Rex. Eric, I know you are team Trubisky. We've discussed this. So the floor is yours. Travis, you will have time for the rebuttal for team Grossman. Please well, so, so I, I will, I will tell you. And I will say this in the last episode, I will say this. I am legitimately a swing vote here. I, and, and the fans never got this far, so we don't have a fan vote here. I am legitimately a swing vote. I am willing to be swayed by... i leaning one direction, but I'm willing to be swayed. Make your arguments, gentlemen. So, I, I, as I said in the last episode, you asked me, you know, if I... Maybe it was the episode before. You asked if we had a winner in our mind. And I told you that there was a person that I want to win and a person that I think probably should win. And we are in that matchup now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I would like very badly to say that Mitch Trubisky is the worst Chicago Bear of all time because of what we gave up to get him, because of how much shit I have had to listen to from people who insist that if you just gave him an all-pro offensive line and three seven-foot-tall receivers and the best running back in the history of the game, he could be an acceptable quarterback. I am so tired of hearing about how this man was failed. Just to watch him go off to Pittsburgh and fucking suck ass there, too. We watched Pat Mahomes win two Super Bowls, appear in three, possibly the most talented quarterback ever to play. And we we traded up and passed on him to get Mitch Trubisky, who had one good game in Chicago, and everybody's like, oh, he fucking obliterated the Bucks, and then he just, he can't throw the ball 10 yards, he can't run, he can't see pressure coming, he can't do anything. And I just, I, I cannot bear the thought that he is not the worst thing we've ever done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing I will not argue with you about, Eric, is Mitch Trubisky is the single worst draft choice in NFL history, and I don't think there's a close second. I think he's number one with a bullet. Trading up not only to pass on Pat Mahomes, and part of my argument against Mitch is I don't think the Bears were ever going to take Pat because he was the developmental guy. But the other guy was Deshaun Watson, and, you know, everything that, you know, has come out afterward notwithstanding, Deshaun Watson... If we just go on basic like talent on stats that he got that first and second year, he is also a generational talent just based on that. Now he looks kind of bad in Cleveland, uh, or he did the second half of last year. Maybe that's understandable. Maybe it's karma. But we passed on two surefire dudes with Hall of Fame level talent to take this shitbird. Mitch Trubisky, uh, and so I will give you that. There's no doubt he's the worst draft pick, not just in Bears history, 
uh, but just of all time. So, yeah, I mean, I want to elaborate just a little bit on that because it's a point that I keep making. So in an absolute... It goes back to this tournament, too, and the theme of worst. In an absolute sense, Mitch Trubisky is not the worst quarterback drafted in the last 40 years. He's not the worst quarterback drafted in the last two. I don't know if he's the worst quarterback drafted in the last one. Um, He was just a bad quarterback. Not even, like, a horrifically bad... He's a guy that I think is kind of an okay backup. He's a... Uh, 28th, 25th worst starter in the NFL, if you have to start him, kind of guy. He is, like, I always say he's basically 90% of a good quarterback. The 10% that he's missing is very key, but he does most of the little things and all that. But if you were to talk in, in, a, in a relative sense, and if you talk in a terms of in opportunity cost, yes, they took him over two other better quarterbacks, and you have to go back to, like, the 1983 draft to find a fuck-up that bad. Because you talk about Jamarcus Russell being <coughs> one of the worst busts of all time. And sure, he's absolutely worse than Mitch in, a, in an absolute sense. But the next quarterback taken after Jamarcus was Brady Quinn, who also sucked. The, the next quarterback after that was Kevin Cobb. The Raiders did not... The Raiders could have taken Megatron, sure. That would have been a better pick. But do you think Megatron saves the Raiders as they were then? Like, they, they didn't change the trajectory of their franchise very much, honestly, by taking Jamarcus Russell instead of a wide receiver that they would have ruined anyways. Um, the Chargers, yes, Ryan Leaf sucked. The next quarterback that was even kind of good in that draft was Charlie Batch. So there, you look through all these draft busts in history, it's very rare to find a team that needed a quarterback, took a quarterback, and passed on a much better quarterback to do so. You have to go back to 1983 to when the Chiefs took... Todd Blackledge with Jim Kelly and Dan Marino still on the board, or the teams after Jim Kelly was taken that took Ken O'Brien, Tony Eason, etc. over um, over Dan Marino to find anyone who's fucked up that bad. And when you consider how much more important the passing game is in 2023 than it was in 1983, it's really hard to argue that Mitch is not the worst or most costly draft pick in NFL history. He is the Sam Bowie of the NFL, without question. Yep, there is no doubt. There is no doubt. Okay. Uh, uh, here, he, that, say, I'll, I'll say the but for you. We don't know what Mitch Trubisky cost us. We know exactly what Rex Grossman cost us. That's that's right. All right, I'm going to take you guys on a, a little journey. I'll try to do this as quickly I as I can. Do it, yes, please. <laughs> All right. All right, so we drafted Rex Grossman first round. 2003, Rex is a rookie. This is Dick Geron's last year. This is the best year of Rex's career because we don't know he sucks yet. He sits, and we have to deal with Chris Chandler and Cordell Stewart. By God. All right, so Dick Geron, in very Matt Nagy-like fashion, instead of playing the rookie to try to save his job, tries to save his job by playing Cordell Stewart and Chris Chandler. I don't know why Bears coaches have done this historically. Uh, it... It's a weird pattern that we go through. I don't want to get too hung up on that. Importantly, Rex did come in. Uh, He played a couple games at the end of the year, and his season ended with a broken finger. Pin that in your fucking brain. He ended his season with an injury. All right, 2004, Rex's second year, Lovey Smith's first year. Rex is the starter. Lovey Smith comes in. He immediately says, Rex is going to be our starter. There's no competition. Rex Grossman is our man. 
Uh, Grossman immediately throws a game-ending pick to the Lions, and then in week three, he tears his fucking ACL. What year was this again? 2004. Was there... Is that year relevant, related to this bracket? That's right. That's right. Because Rex Grossman got hurt, we had to deal with Jonathan Quinn, Craig Krenzel, and Chad Hutchinson. That's on Rex Grossman getting hurt every goddamned year. So we got, what, two and a half games of Rex Grossman. We still don't know what he is. This is a crucial moment in time. Let's remember another guy who was on this bracket, Cedric Benson, who I let go so easily. We drafted him in 2005 draft. Rex Grossman, through 16 games of his career, that 16th game, I mentioned this to you earlier this week, uh, it was that Miami game. In 2006, in the Super Bowl season, you see, we hadn't given up on Rex in that game with Denny Green, where he crowned our asses and we accepted the crowns. We thought maybe, just maybe, that was just one bad game for Rex. Maybe he'll be okay. Maybe we'll be fine. And then we got a bye week. We came back two weeks later and he crushed the 49ers and we thought, all right, we're in business. Thank God that was just a little hiccup. And then the Miami game came. We lost our first game and Rex looked like he had been completely figured out. And that's exactly what it was. Through 16 games, we knew Rex Grossman was an awful quarterback. If Rex Grossman had played those 16 games for Lovey Smith, a new coach who had not drafted him, who would show in the 2005 draft that he didn't need to spend a pick on anything. He knew his defense was the best defense in the league. He just needed something. So he took a running back. If he knew he didn't have a quarterback, I think he's taken a fucking quarterback. And who's sitting there falling through the draft, ready for us to catch him at number four? Why, it's our old buddy Aaron Rodgers. That's right, in one fell swoop, Rex Grossman being an injury-prone, terrible quarterback, not only cost us taking Aaron Rodgers, but allowed the Packers to take Aaron Rodgers. So yes, I am laying Aaron Rodgers at the feet of Rex fucking Grossman. That is part of my argument. I am laying Cedric Benson at the feet of Rex Grossman because we didn't know if Rex Grossman was good or bad. Lovey decided to stick with him because Rex is such an affable guy. He's such a kind dude. Everybody loves him, and everybody wanted to stick with him, right? Then, I mean, I don't even know if I have to go into it. 2005 hits. Hold on, Travis. I'm going to give What's you up? one more okay. uh, for this because to add to your argument. Let's say that they had even just decided that, that Rex couldn't be trusted and wanted to just bring in some competition in free agency instead of yeah. using a first-round pick on Aaron Rodgers. You know who was an available free agent quarterback in both 2004 and 2005? And who, who was, was available? Rumored, rumored to be interested in him both of those years but never brought him in was Kurt Warner. Might he have had a late career resurgence like he had in Arizona in Chicago or at least been good enough to guide 2006 or 2005's team? The best defense we have probably still ever seen the Bears have, maybe? I don't know. It, but it's it's worth considering the opportunity cost because that's going to come up with both of these quarterbacks. It's a key theme. Anyways, obviously do your 2006. I'll we'll let you continue your... Shoot, we aren't even there. Let's get through the 2005 season, Kyle. The beat goes on because you see Rex wasn't done getting hurt and making us wait to see if he was any good. 2005, 
preseason, Rex breaks his goddamned ankle. And now, look, as Eric said, we've lost every member of the 2004 Bears quarterback room except for Rex uh, because they were so reprehensible. We drafted Kyle Orton. Uh, and yes, we started Kyle Orton. Uh, yeah, thank you. We said the thing. Uh, Kyle does not look good, all right? He is not allowed to do much. However, the Bears look good. The Bears have the best defense in the league. There's simply no doubt. 2005 and 2006, the Bears had the best defense in the league. And the Bears were doing great with Kyle at quarterback. Ball control, whatever. We're playing defense. That's how we do it. Rex comes back at the end of the season, and I think there was a lot of fanfare at the time. I remember a lot of excitement about, oh, man, if we just had a, a, like a great quarterback who could air it out with this defense, we could win the Super Bowl. Wouldn't it be amazing? Uh, and Rex came in, 17 of 41 for 102 yards, one touchdown, one pick. We lose to the Panthers in the first round of the playoffs. Everybody at the time gives Rex a pass, right? Oh, he came back in. Uh, you know, like, uh, maybe he just needs to get going. He had a nice throw against the Falcons. He beat Green Bay. We love when guys beat Green Bay. Give him another chance, lovey. And so he did. And as you stated, Kyle, 2006, finally, Rex Grossman uh, is going to play a full season. It's going to be a season where we get to the Super Bowl. He is going to play four to six very good games to start the year. Um five at most, I guess. That Vikings game was pretty terrible. And then the wheels are going to come off against Danny Green in Arizona. He is going to crown our butts. Uh, and he is going to be easily the worst quarterback in the league the rest of the way. And Lovey will not bench him. Continues to play him. Brian Greasy won't come in. Kyle Orton, who again went 10-5 and five the year before, will not come in. We get all the way to the Super Bowl. And I don't think... There is any other person on this list who we can say cost the Bears a Super Bowl, right? But I think we can say that Rex Grossman is the reason that we lost that Super Bowl. The defense did their job. If Rex is not turning, he fumbled twice. Rex has thrown interceptions. If we have a quarterback who can simply hold on to the ball, that's a Super Bowl win for the Bears. So, yeah, not only am I laying Aaron Rodgers and the Cedric Benson pick at his feet, uh, not only am I laying maybe not getting Drew Brees in free agency or three trades. I bring up Brees because say he had played all of 2005, and that was his third year. If he'd played all of 2005, he'd been as disappointing in 2005 as he was in 2006. It was his third year as a starter. That's when teams generally decide if they have a guy or not. They decide to give up on Rex after 2005. They don't want to draft somebody. They want a veteran because they have this team ready to win now. Drew Brees was a free agent in 2006. He didn't want to sign with the Saints. No one remembers this at the time, but the Saints, the Hurricane Katrina had just happened. Nobody wanted to sign with the Saints. He basically signed with the Saints out of necessity because nobody else was willing to take a chance on his injured shoulder. But maybe the Bears would have been the team desperate to give him that chance. Now, would Drew Brees have been the same in Chicago that he was with Sean Payton? Almost certainly not. But would he, could he have been good enough to win the Super Bowl with that defense? I absolutely think so. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think we are agreed that not only could Drew Brees have done it, regardless of what he became with the Bears, but Kyle Orton could have done it if he had just gone in, held the ball, handed it off, and let the defense do its thing. They tried to play Rex that way, and it never worked. Yeah. Rex couldn't do that. He would still turn the ball over. He had, um, I mean, 
He had look. I wish he turnovers in that Super Bowl three. He did. Three he did. I, a lot. I wish the story ended there. I wish somehow I could just be like, he lost us a Super Bowl. That's it. Rex continued to haunt this goddamn team. He came back in two thousand seven. He had a camp battle with Brian Greasy. He won, and then Brian Greasy took over in week three. We got tortured with Brian Greasy, and that is when we decided to start a blog called Start Kyle Orton. Not from the year before, but because we couldn't understand why we had to deal with a goddamn battle between Rex Grossman and Brian Greasy. Uh, We dealt with that the entire season. Finally, in 2008, we re-signed him. We didn't have to bring him back, but by God, we did. We gave him a one-year contract. He had a camp battle with Kyle Orton. Orton won, and then I just want to put this cherry on the top of the cake so everyone realizes how badly Rex Grossman was hated at this point in Chicago so you understand how truly awful this was an experience for everybody in Chicago. Orton went down in a game halfway through the season, uh, And when Rex Grossman came out in relief, he got booed every single snap. The fans were absolutely relentless. He won that fucking game. Rex won the game he came in, and the fans wanted him to die. I, honest to God, I really thought you were about to wrap up your argument with, and Rex Grossman is the reason I'm laying Cedric Benson, Aaron Rodgers, and the existence of start Kyle Orton on Rex Grossman's feet. It's all his fault. That was a killer line. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Oof, that is a lot. Uh, that is a lot of opportunity cost. And opportunity cost is kind of Mitch's strongest argument, too. And so then I think the tiebreaker there becomes production, in which case I think we can all agree that Mitch was overall the better quarterback. Um, on the other hand, talking about the second overall pick and that they traded up to become the second overall pick versus the 22nd overall pick after trading down in 2003. So draft capital, Mitch, much more expensive. And then again, I mean, it's, that's it's, it's tough. I'm Eric, were you swayed in any direction? I, by that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the. All you have to do to me to really evaporate the Mitch Trubisky argument is look at like just like the box score of that Super Bowl. They scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. Rex Grossman was not involved in one of those touchdowns. Devin Hester caught the opening kickoff. He ran it back for a touchdown. Nobody else had anything to do with it. And then they did not score again until Robbie Gold kicked a single field goal at the end of the third quarter. Do you know how bad you have to be offensively that you can't put Robbie Gold in position to at least pick up a couple of field goals? Not only that, not only that, even if they didn't move the ball from that point, if Rex simply had not committed those turnovers, it's very... We could still have won that game. Like 17 to 14. It was was 22 to 17 until he threw the pick six to Kelvin Hayden, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I think we have to... I, You know, I came in here fired up and I think ready to vote Mitch through... I th- I thought I was ready for that, but I think Travis has... has he tilted... He, I lean... I'm leaning the other way. I'm gonna... I just, you, like I said, you, you can... There are very strong arguments to be made about what Mitch Trubisky could have cost us. Rex Grossman lost a Super Bowl. Every guy that we know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and again, that was as close as we have come and there are, in like the Alan, years I have been alive. <laughs> with my passionate hatred, and if it, like Kyle and I just said, there are a lot of quarterbacks that also we were potentially cost because of Rex Grossman. Yeah, I mean, we, oh, yeah. we, we have tried to consistently say one bad game, one bad play, not necessarily what would put a guy through. And so I think if Rex Grossman... I think of Neil O'Donnell with the Steelers back in the '90s. He was a very solid quarterback. He was kind of like the, I mean, kind of like the Kirk Cousins of his era. Um, he threw three interceptions in a Super Bowl, and Steelers fans treat him like he was Satan incarnate. Um, and that's mostly what he's remembered for. But otherwise, he was a very solid quarterback. And I would feel bad if if there was a Steelers version of this bracket and they voted Neil O'Donnell through whatever, just because of that one Super Bowl. But Rex, as we said, was was very bad. He's worse than you remember because you are still. If you're thinking that that right now, you're still probably fogged by with rose-colored glasses for that one month of 2006. So yes, Mitch, you survived this time. You are not the worst bear of the last 20 years. Uh, but again, Rex, only a couple years from falling out of the window. We will may revisit this someday. That's so right. give it a few years. How yeah. many? We'll see how many more Super Bowls Pat so, Mahomes wins. And... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Rex, Rex, you are through into the Myra Four. Uh, goodbye. Where Mitch. you will absolutely incinerate Adam Archuleta. I mean, I don't yes. even think we need to talk about it. <laughs> Rex, you are on through into the title round. Goodbye, Adam Archuleta. All right. So then, the last are we having a debate? Or the last debate here? Are we having Shea versus Webb? Because I, uh, I think I've been the most vocal Webb basher here, which is why I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to vote for Shea here. Oh, I would vote for I would vote for Webb. I think we need the worst tackle in Bears history in there. I would vote offensive line on this probably regardless. So this is where I, this is. I mean, this is a this is where I turn heel on oh, what's been the most fun part of this entire tournament, and it's the just why region. And ultimately, I can't vote the just why guy into the championship over the dude who was a first round pick. Wow. Like, the Just Why guys, this whole bracket needed to be here. These discussions needed to happen to condemn the Bears as an organization. And at the same time, I have to vote Shea through over Webb precisely because this was a first-round pick and the opportunity cost was so high there as well. And in addition to that, he was a very bad football player. I mean, eight-and-a-half career sacks. That's not even that, – that's like a good and not even great single season for a pass rusher. That was his I, entire career. I think that was Lamar Houston's best season as a Bear, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lamar Houston had eight season, or eight sacks in, I think, 2016. I'm, I'm <laughs> voting Shea over Webb. What about you, gentlemen? I would vote Webb. I'm interested in what Eric thinks. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is kind of a hard – because I think Jamarcus Webb is absolutely worse at his job. Than Shea McClellan, but I think part of that might be because Jamarcus Webb was given a lot more opportunities to very visibly fuck well, up and, and than Shea, Shea McClellan. <laughs> yeah, Shea was protected that first year, at least, that he was in the roster in 2012 because he was behind two very good defensive ends in Peppers and Adonijay. So that first yeah, year... Yeah, he, he was great at being the, the second guy yeah, that to a sack year, that was going to happen without yeah, his help. <laughs> that first year of Shea, we were kind of hidden from how bad it really was until they started to depend on him as a starter in 2013, 14, 15, that you really realized how bad this was. And then people kind of tailed off in watching the Bears, I think, in 2014, 2015. So Shea was very bad. Um, and it doesn't stick out in, in badness the same way that a tackle consistently being beat for sacks does. But Shea was very bad. Uh, Webb was very bad. But for me, the tiebreaker there is, again, one of those guys was a first-round pick 
taken over other players that could still be helping this team today, and the other was just a seventh-round pick who got too much playtime. So I'm happy that Webb won his region. I, I am happy we had that region, but ultimately... Uh, the region itself is self-defeating. I gotta vote the first-round pick over Webb. Wow. I would Shane McClellan beat Jamarcus Webb for a sack. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I I think we would still <laughs> somehow be watching. <laughs> what an excellent question! Oh my God, would he? Uh, a legendary battle. Wow. That yeah, that's incredible. Eric, it's your call. It's your call, yeah. Eric. This is, I, I'm being placed in a position of power a lot here. I kind of hey, like yeah. it. Well, I, I have think... argued too strongly in favor of draft capital to feel comfortable saying that Jamarcus Webb is a, is is anything close to a clear cut winner here for sure. Like I I do I believe he is the worst player, but I I do think it, he was one of you know four people on this bracket were on the same shitty offensive line at the same time. Yeah. He is he is one of many truly terrible pass blockers, run blockers, you name it, that we have seen in our years. And he absolutely deserves his position in the final four. But I I am baffled as to why Jamarcus Webb kept getting to start. I have, have maybe never been more baffled than when Shea McClellan was drafted. Oh, I like that. All right. <laughs> I don't... So Shea is through, huh? Is that the... Is that you got to make the call. You got to make the call here, son. I I am going to call it for Shea, but I, oh, I do shit. want to say I have been riding all week. I have been reminding myself. There are measures by which Jamarcus Webb could be considered the worst offensive lineman of all time. This is interesting, okay, because I think I think there's an argument for Webb against Grossman. I don't think Shea has any argument against Grossman. So I think that advancing, to me, I think that just clinches it. Okay, well, I mean, I think it was clinched already for me. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I am personally of the opinion that so, neither of these dudes can beat Rex Grossman. So, okay, oh, so okay. Shea right. sh- is through, and then I think... The left, the, the at the very end, there's not much debate. If it's I I do want I want to hear it though. I want to hear. I'm I'm curious to hear this argument. So oh, for Webb, yeah, I, I think I, it's I very simple. It. I think it's very simple that you could argue that Webb is actually the worst player on here. He's a guy who shouldn't have been drafted, should have never been put in that position, and then played for years. And did horribly at his job, as Kyle has outlined several times. He was legendarily bad at his job in a way that no other tackle has been uh, in NFL history. And with Rex, um, yes, as we stated, he was a very bad quarterback. But he wasn't as anywhere close to as bad a quarterback, uh, just on a pure talent level, on a production level, as Jamarcus was a left tackle. Um but yeah, obviously, I mean, I would say Rex would win either way, but I could see an argument there. With Shea, the draft capital is similar, and like, there's just no comparison anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, ultimately, I think for me, it's that Shea McClellan is, is not, I he think... may not be as bad, but he is more Bears than possibly anyone on this list. I think, well, we... that's tough, because Webb is also very Bears. It is very Bears to ignore history and statistics and everything else and just assume that you can find a left tackle in the seventh round. 
Yeah. Um, it's but I would bare. argue it is even more bears <laughs> to grab some fast, skinny white guy with no discernible skills. Yeah, it's. I mean, and... as far as just being bears, this final four is perfect, right? We've got a terrible safety That's who couldn't safety. actually do anything right. We've got the bad left tackle. We've got a complete whiff in the middle of the first round uh, on the defensive line, and then we've got an awful quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the... what's more bears than that? The, the... Crowning the champion here is almost beside the point. I'm pretty proud of the bracket. I'm pretty proud of, of the final. At least, so of, yeah, proud. the final four, I think, makes a lot of sense. It really sums up the Bears as a franchise. But, yes, I'm still – I'm going to pass Shea through, and then Rex over Shea, I agree, is a no-brainer. Are we Are we agreed that that's how, how, how this thing ends, gentlemen? For sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, Travis, summon the crown, the McNown-Enos cap – it is ascending up. There's there's a smell of sulfur and brimstone as it emerges on a pillar of black obsidian. A hat signed by both Cade McNown and Curtis Enos. A dark trophy, a dark crown to place upon Rex Grossman's head, which he must wear forever in shame as the winner of the 2023 McNown Enos Tourney. Rex Grossman... We all liked you. We all rooted for you. And that's what makes this hurt the most. And that's honestly why you're here. Because you you, you, you were the guy that we thought could do it. Um, so yes, I think Rex Grossman. Uh, I don't know that I actually expected to get here at the very end. But I, I agree. Rex Grossman, the worst bear of the last 20 years. There could be no doubt. We didn't talk about it, by the way, but uh, the last time we did this, uh, the finals was actually my guy, Rex Grossman, versus Cade McDown, and I lost. You were so mad about that. I was very upset. Was I was so like, you're that wrong. Was, that was precisely why we retired Cade McDown. And honestly, at the time, I think that was too fresh, and even I was one of those guys that I said was holding on a little too rosily to the memories of good Rex. And you have to yeah. really... You have to splash cold water on your face and look at how limited the good Rex phenomenon actually was versus bad Rex and how bad bad Rex could be and how bad he was in the playoffs. Honestly, a lot of people overlook how bad he was in that 2005 playoff game because of we all yep. remember Steve Smith running. But like you said, 17 of 41 in a playoff game. 41 pass attempts and you didn't even break 200 yards? That's, that's a lot. So... Yeah, in the end, Rex, you must wear, you must wear the hat, you must wear the hat of shame. Um, I think that wraps up the tournament. This has been a fun couple of weeks. I'm glad we. This is good off season content. Um, speaking of off season content, I think next week's episode, uh, we're gonna do the Justin Fields episode. I have been preparing yep. so many Justin Fields statistics that I'm just gonna regurgitate onto you guys and and arguments for and argument and, and strengths and weaknesses and things he needs to improve, things he's already good at, things that maybe people don't realize he's already good at. Um, so I think that'll be a fun one too, but I've had a lot of fun with this tournament. Eric, it's been so good to have you back to, to bring us back to our glory days. Um, it has been my play. And on that note, I will tell you, uh, I thought of it at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, you mentioned, um, Someone talk shit about Packers fans, drawing a blank on his name. Justin, Justin Jones? Jones? Yeah. Yes. Um, Rick Morrissey wrote a column 
finger wagging Justin Jones for talking <laughs> shit about Packers fans, oh, no. and boy, I feel the itch <laughs> in the old fingers. <laughs> if you remember the old blog password, it's still around. So, actually, I, I might write something for the blog soon too, just because I think it's gonna be mostly the same stuff that we cover in the Justin Fields episode, but I think I will then turn it into an article as well for anyone who doesn't want to listen to the podcast just to lay out, I think, the facts as they are for Justin Fields entering year three. So, anyways, join us next week for that if you guys really want the deep dive on Justin Fields. Thanks for joining us for this tournament. We hope you had fun. Uh, If you were a fan who voted in the tournament and you are furious that our bracket doesn't really match the fan vote at all, that's fine. Um, you yell, should yell at Kyle on Twitter. Yell, yell at Kyle on Twitter. Engagement is good engagement, baby. Give us those clicks. Uh, anyways, good night, folks. Bear down. Well, my home's in the Delta. Way out on that bumper floor. Now you know I'm leaving Chicago. I show do hate to go. Now you know I'm leaving. Here.